Hello, Marvelites! You're listening to This Week in Marvel, episode number 610. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Angelique Roche. Yo, we're back. Angelique, congratulations. You did a cool hosting gig uh, for some Walt Disney Studios, Essence Fest. Oh, man, so much fun. I got a chance to talk about some of the brand new series and films that are coming from Walt Disney Studios, including Wish with Ariana DeBose and Alan Tudyk. the king but also we got to talk about ahsoka which uh, we got to talk about it with ahsoka tano herself rosario dawson was there and then we got to talk about haunted mansion which was actually filmed in new orleans louisiana which is Uh, so had a oh yeah i had a lot a lot of fun uh, with the director, Justin Simeon, um, the Keith Stanfield, who plays a character named Ben, Tiffany Haddish, who's just, I mean, it's Tiffany Haddish. And, of course, the one and only Rosario Dawson, who's also in Disney's Haunted Mansion. She plays the mom who buys this mansion, mm-hmm. sight unseen. <laughs> See, I got cool. it. Look, I've been working on it. Yeah, I got, I got the laugh this time. Yeah, <laughs> but where are we now? We're in this week in Marvel, so we got a lot of Marvel stuff to talk Heck, about, right? Yeah, this is the official Marvel podcast. We're talking about all the things happening this week in Marvel that we're excited about. We're going to talk about some games, comics, books, movies, toys, TV, whatever the flip we want to talk about. And this week we are hulking out <laughs> with the creators of the new Incredible <laughs> Hulk comic series, artist Nick Klein and writer Philip Kennedy Johnson. He blacks out and he wakes up and it's all in ruins and this thing has just emerged and destroyed everything that he's been working towards. And he's like, what did I do last night? Kind of a thing. So he's constantly on the run to try to protect everything around him from being destroyed by this part of himself that he just cannot control. So good. Uh, You can hear that full interview there with Mr. Ryan Bonagos in just a bit. Yes. Angelique, before we get into all the news, I wanted to bring in Stan Prokopenko to tell us about a partnership with Marvel. We have Marvel's The Art of Storytelling is now a course on the online educational platform Proko, and let's bring in Stan to tell us more about it. So first things first, Stan, um, can you tell us a little bit about how the Marvel's The Art of Storytelling came together as a course on Proko? Yeah, so... As a kid growing up, I didn't really have access to comics. I, I didn't. I honestly, I didn't even know they existed. <laughs> like, I, I came here from Ukraine, and uh, my parents were you know, immigrants, and so they didn't really know the, the culture very well and all that. So I pretty much just had like TV. Um, I only started getting exposed to comics a lot at Comic Con because I live in San Diego, and the more I went to Comic Con, the more I was like, wow, like these artists are amazing, and. Um, you know, I have Proco, we make educational stuff. And so I started working with these artists because they're so good. And my audience liked them. They, they were really into the, the lessons. And so like, okay, we, we got to have a course. <laughs> I got to have a, a course on Proco for, for comics. How does this program stand out on your platform? Yeah, a lot of ways. This is a very unique course. It's different from other courses we made in several ways. One of the biggest is that we have access to Marvel, right? So we have the Marvel characters that we can use in the course. Students can draw the, you know, their favorite characters, and it just makes learning a little more fun. We also had access to the Marvel creative team, so they would look at 
to make sure everything we're teaching is correct as to, you know, the, the standards and all that stuff. So that's very good for teaching. But also, you know, we had access to professional instructors. It was a lot easier to, you know, get people to actually work with us because <laughs> we're working with Marvel, right? So usually our courses have one instructor. This time we have like 11 instructors in this course. Who are some of the artists that are featured in, in the course? So we got writing stories with Jim Zub, penciling with Ryan Benjamin, inking with Mark Morales, uh, cinematography and perspective with Mike Hawthorne, page layout, um, like script to page with Aaron Connolly, characters with Aletha Martinez, more character stuff with uh, Sanford Green, environments with Daniel Warren Johnson, coloring with Matthew Wilson, and covers with Eric Gist. And then we have a bonus interview with uh, C.B. Cebulski. Curious, you know, as folks maybe then to go check this out, what is it like? How do the people who are excited about Marvel's The Art of Storytelling experience this? Everybody goes to proca.com. We have the community there. That's where they watch the lessons. That's where they will submit their assignments, get critiques. It's all over on proca.com. And every topic that we jump into has like a main lesson where we teach you the core of the information. It has demonstrations from all these pros showing you how to actually apply that. We give you assignments or projects to work on to help you build those skills. And then there's gonna be critiques as well. So there's various types of lessons or videos. And students also have resources like actual scripts and pages from Marvel Comics to work with for their assignments. That's all there. Remind us again when the course drops and why it's important for anybody who's curious to sign up now and take it quote unquote live. Yeah, so the course, if people sign up while it, the lessons are coming out, which by the way, we don't drop the whole course. It's not like a Netflix style thing where everything drops all at once. We roll out uh, a lesson like every week so that all the students are working on it together. And then we can do critiques and, you know, as the community submits their assignments and all that stuff. So, so if you sign up while the course is rolling and you go at that pace, then your assignments will be used or could be used for the critique videos that we make. Because after we're done making all the videos, then everybody that takes the course after that, you know, they just get to watch the critique videos from the original group of students. So that's a big one. Also, we have a week of pre-sale left over. So if you want to get that, that discount. Always a good thing. That's <laughs> always a good thing. Uh, before we let you go, there's also a Marvel and Proco panel at Comic-Con. And what can fans yeah. and attendees expect there? Yeah, so we're going to have a bunch of the artists from the course at the panel. And I'm, I'm going to be moderating it. I'm going to pick their brain about what they do and how they tell stories and all about the process. It's a, it's a pretty good lineup. We have Ryan Benjamin, C.B. Sabolsky. He's the editor-in-chief at Marvel. We got Eric Gist, who was one of my biggest instructors. Uh, Sanford Green and Jim Zub. They're all going to be there. I'm going to pick their brain. Very cool. Thank you so much, Stan. Everybody out there, you can go to proco.com, check it out, get a preview, get that pre-sale, go in there. And then if you're going to be with us at Comic-Con, hit up that panel. But Ryan, you know what else I'm excited about? Comic-Con! It's like you can read my mind. Two weeks away. And guess what, y'all? We have updates. Uh, this week we've put out 
uh, our first press release about what we are doing at Marvel for San Diego Comic-Con. We'll be back this year from Wednesday, July 19th through Sunday, July 23rd. We've got panels, exclusive merch, offers, live stream broadcasts, signings, experiences, and events at the Marvel booth, and more. Of course, fans, y'all, if you're going to be there, you can stop by the Marvel booth, which is number 2329. Uh, we're going to have the live stream broadcast there in a very cool, very different way. We're going to have giveaways, signings. There will be that convention exclusive merchandise at the official Marvel store, which is just right next to us, but it's booth number 2519. Uh, there'll be Marvel Unlimited subscription offers and so much more. Uh, I am so excited. Y'all go say hello to the Marian Panagos. Mm-hmm. Marvel social and digital teams will be on the ground at Comic-Con hosting the exciting events in the Marvel booth and fans at home can experience it all by watching the exclusive live stream broadcast hosted by... Yours truly, not mine, the guy across from me, Ryan Panagos, Langston Belton, Ray Lowe, and Josh Soleil, a.k.a. Josh Slay. I'm so excited. They're going to have so much fun. Uh, but fans can stay up to date on the biggest stories and the breaking news by tuning in on Marvel.com, the YouTubes, the Twitters, the Facebooks, and one of my personal favorites, Twitch. Tour the convention floor with Marvel. Learn about some of your favorite Marvel characters. And don't miss anything from the Marvel stage and events around CDCC. Y'all, I love San Diego Comic-Con because you just, you always learn something new. So you don't want to miss any of these announcements. All right. So we're going to go through and we're going to give you an overview. This is going to be a speed round. Me and Ryan are going to do this. We got this. We drank our water. We did a lap around the (laughs) entire neighborhoods. Okay, I didn't. It's 115 degrees outside. But Ryan did a lap and um, he's ready. Uh, We're going to give you an overview of Marvel's panels. Full schedule of Marvel booth events, including additional signings and events are coming soon. And yes, more details on merch because, you know, people like me, it's the first thing I do. I go to the merch booth. I make out my plan. I figure out what I'm buying because that's my entire wardrobe for the Comic-Con. And for those who are ready for those giveaways, that is also coming very, very soon. You ready, Ryan? Yeah, uh, I helped design um, a giveaway that we're doing at Comic-Con. And when I say help design, it's just like I gave approvals for it. And I made them make four different versions of it. So people were going to have to come to the Marvel booth once a day during the specific times to get it. And it's wearable. And I can't say anything more. But it's great. It's great. Um, Is it scuba gear? You know what? I got to call someone and have them make some scuba gear. I'll be back. (laughs) After I talk about what's happening on Thursday, July 20th for the panels at Comic-Con from us. First up, 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock in room 7AB is Designing the X-Men, a This Week in Marvel special event. How about that? We've got our panel, and it is with the X-Men, so it's me. Uh, I'm going to be joined by Krakoan Gardner's Jordan D. White, who's a senior editor of the X-Books, Sarah Brunstad, who's an editor of the X-Books, graphic designer extraordinaire Tom Muller, who has helped basically create the uh, the look for this entire era of X-Books, uh, as well as Joshua Kassara. He and I have already been talking about um, what he's going to bring to the panel what we're going to show off. He's beautiful, sweet man. Uh, he's going to actually have some really cool stuff for his X-Force and X-Men runs and, and more. Um, we're going to talk about the logos, the data pages, new costumes, Hellfire Gala, Ensemble, topography of Krakoa, the Green Lagoon, all kinds of stuff looking at what this era of X-Men is all about, but also maybe a little hint of what's coming for the fall of X and maybe some surprises, and maybe actually truthfully an exclusive giveaway at the end of the panel. Now, 
Angelique, that's one of the cool things. A lot of these panels that we have at Comic-Con this year have exclusive giveaways at the end of the panel. So you got to show up. You got to be there. You got to hear me and all of the wonderful folks on the daises talking, giving you cool stuff. Now, also right after that panel in room 11 from five o'clock to six o'clock is Marvel and Proco teach the art of storytelling. This course from Proco, we just heard Stan talk about it earlier in the show where uh, the folks behind the Marvel and Proco initiative run you through what it means to do this course. It'll really give a sense of behind the scenes of making art like Marvel Comics artists, developing characters, mastering visual storytelling, doing really great, compelling art for Marvel Comics. If you're already an artist and like you, you think you got nothing left to learn, you're wrong because we all got something to learn. But if you're just aspiring and just getting into things, this is also going to be great for you. It's going to be a cool panel. Definitely check that one out. Those are our panels for Thursday. What do we got for Friday, Angelique? All right. So if you weren't exhausted by Thursday, because wow, that is awesome. On Friday, July 21st, we have Marvel Heroes. Hulks and Super Soldiers. Oh, that's such a great title. Uh, that's from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. in Room 6DE. Uh, and Marvel Editor-in-Chief The C.B. Sabolsky is going to be leading a panel featuring Marvel's superlative superhero series. Uh, J. Michael Straczynski takes Captain America to the streets of Manhattan while Moon Knight roams the roads of Egyptian lore in David P. Pose's Moon Knight, City of the Dead. Meanwhile, the Hulk takes control of Boost Banner again as Philip Kennedy Johnson continues his new Hulk run and the hits coming in across the rest of the action-packed Marvel Universe. Be sure to stay tuned into the end of the panel as Ryan said... <laughs> there will be surprises, and this time you are going to be finding out what other heroes will be joining their ranks in their own new titles. I love when superheroes get their own titles, man. Uh, and then, uh, as there is, we are having the annual Marvel Fanfare with C.B. Sabolsky, uh, 4.15 p.m. to 5.15, also in room 6D. E. Um, that means you don't have to go look for another room in the convention center. Congratulations. Uh, past and present Marvel editors-in-chief reunite for a panel unlike any other. Listen in on this conversation about anything and everything you wanted to know about the House of Ideas when current head honcho C.B. Sapolsky is joined by Marvel legend Joe Quesada. Never before has so much comic-making mastery been crammed into one panel. But that's not all. Fans who stay into the end will receive, as Ryan said, an exclusive giveaway comic. I can't tell you what it is because that would spoil the secret. Mm. And then, for you out there who love RPGs, Marvel Multiverse role-playing game live play with Glass Cannon Network. So that's going to be a straight three hours of joy. That's 5.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. And that is actually going to be in the Omni Hotel, in the Omni Grand Ballroom, A, B, and C on the fourth floor. A brand new group of superheroes is making its San Diego Comic-Con debut as your favorite personalities from the Glass Cannon Network bring their unique brand of unhinged role-playing madness to the Marvel 
multiverse. Join Game Master Troy Lavalie along with Joe O'Brien, Skid Mayer, Matthew Copa Noria Ibrahim, and uh, the one and only Alicia Marie and Marvel's own the Nick Lowe. I did that for you, Nick, VP Marvel Executive Editor, as they create a superhero story that makes the Avengers look like a knitting club. Yeah, I said it. Don't miss the action-packed, laugh-inducing mayhem that will leave you wondering if spandex suits come with built-in comedic timing. we got to go over to Saturday, July 22nd for Marvel Next Big Thing. Keep us on track, Ryan. That's right. Three o'clock to four o'clock in room 6A. This one is wonderful because you're going to get a whole bunch of stuff across the Marvel Universe. They're going to be talking about Spider-Man and what is going to shake the wall crawler to his core. Things about the Guardians of the Galaxy coming off of Grootfall. What is going on in the all-new Ultimate Universe? Obviously, Jonathan Hickman and Brian Hitch are doing a really great Ultimate story right now. And then there's even more that Jonathan is cooking up. Uh, so in that panel will be C.B. Spolsky, editor-in-chief Nick Lowe. Hello, ya boy. Zeb Wells, writer of Amazing Spider-Man, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, writers of Guardians of the Galaxy, and more. And attendees for this panel, you get an exclusive giveaway. Sunday, July 23rd, one of my favorite panels. Women of Marvel are coming back to San Diego Comic-Con, and that is going to be at 10.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m., so please go get your coffee and make your way over to Room 6A. The Women of Marvel are returning to San Diego, the place where it all started. I'm so excited. So please make sure you join us for this lively discussion with Marvel talent across publishing, digital media, and studios, including editor Sarah Brunstead, who is also the editor on Marvel's Voices. Shout out to you. Uh, Executive producer and co-creator of the Women of Marvel podcast, Sana Amanath, Marvel Studios, Miss Marvel, but also co-creator of the Women of Marvel podcast, VP of Digital Media Marketing, Jessica Malloy, Charlie Jane Anders, New Mutants, Lethal Legion, Jody Hauser, Star Wars, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and more. Look, I love this panel so much because people wake up, they grab their coffee, they put an extra shot in it, and there's just so much beautiful energy. You know, <laughs> we get to talk about the incredible work of women who are working in the industry, the incredible stories that are coming about women characters at Marvel, and what it's like working as the industry evolves and what's next, right, for these women-led projects. So just, like, please stay tuned. And as every year, and as we said multiple times, there's going to be an exclusive giveaway at this panel. Not going to want to miss it. Uh, And make sure you're joining the conversation the entire weekend as you're checking out the live stream, you're following your socials, uh, you're following our Twitch, our Twitter, our Facebook, our YouTube. Use that hashtag Marvel SDCC and follow at Marvel for updates on all of the platforms. And like we mentioned, there will be updates to all the stuff, the exclusive merch, the booth schedules, the stuff about Marvel Spider-Man 2, Marvel Snap, and more. And speaking of Marvel Snap, the Phoenix Force rises in the new season of Marvel Snap. Yes, yes, yes. This new season launched this week and it is called Rise of the Phoenix. So let's go down and see what we got in here. Uh, The season pass card is Phoenix Force. Five cost, six power, and on reveal, revive one of your destroyed cards and merge with it, and then that card can move each turn. 
I'm like, that gets pretty dangerous. Uh, other new cards include Jean Grey, uh, three cost, three power. She's got an ongoing ability where players must play their first card here each turn, if it's possible. She releases July 10th. Echo is a one cost, two power. After your opponent plays an ongoing card here, remove its abilities. Oh boy, I love it. July 17th for that one. Legion. Legion, I love so good. Uh, Legion is a series four card where Gene and Echo were series five. Legion is five cost, eight power on reveal. Replace each other location with this one. That's a nasty bit of business. I'll tell you that much. And then Mirage, also series four, is two cost, two power on reveal. Copy the lowest cost card in your opponent's hand into your hand, then give it plus two power. She releases July 31st. Of course, there are new locations like the White Hot Room. And with the White Hot Room, the first to fill this location gets plus three max energy. See how that shakes out for folks. Lake Hellas is one cost cards here have plus two power. All right, I'm, I'm excited to, to get these into play and to get angry and then figure it out and whoop somebody's butts. But on top of that, there's going to be tons of new variants. Maria Wolf, who does some of my favorite variant comic book covers for us, is doing a Mirage variant. Very cool. Lots of new bundles and all that stuff. And they teased it in their blog post. I know we teased it a little bit earlier, but they say... Marvel Snap will have a panel at Comic-Con. Stay tuned for more details on that when we get the official word on Marvel.com. I'm so excited because this next thing. Okay, look, Ryan, I don't know about yes. you. One of the first games I ever played in the arcade after I finished my game on my bowling league in elementary school. <clears throat> we'll talk about that later. Uh, was Marvel versus Capcom. Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3 is at Evo 2023, the global fighting game competition returns in Las Vegas from August 4th through the 6th, and it is celebrating one of the greatest games ever made. That's right. Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3. I know you played this game, Ryan. Look, when we, the reveal for the original Marvel versus Capcom 3 came uh, during a, the Capcom flew people from Marvel and their entire company and a bunch of journalists to Hawaii for like four days. And I was there to help, you know, be there for the reveal. So all versions of Marvel versus Capcom three have a very special place in my heart. And ultimate is, is super fun. Um, this one is, is why for folks who don't know, like talked about the difference. Cause a lot of folks hear Marvel versus Capcom and they're like, okay, I know that, but there's something very special about this particular version. Ultimate was sort of like taking everything that they'd done before. It's the, obviously the big epic crossover. You got tons of amazing characters and ideas, uh, but and the killer tag team gameplay and just, you know, it was, it's a, like the most modern version of it. And you've got characters such as Spider-Man and Iron Man and Wolverine alongside Ryu from Street Fighter or Dante from Devil May Cry or Morrigan from Darkstalkers and more from, from Capcom's amazing roster, putting them all together in a big jambalaya. Seriously, it's one of the things that I loved about the evolution of Marvel versus Capcom and this particular version is just like getting the entire Capcom roster like slowly but surely like working its way into the game. Uh, and so Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom 3 is back at Evo for the first time since 2017 
through its new initiative. Uh, it's a throwback tournament for those who have not gathered that through our um, dose of nostalgia we just threw at you. UMVC3 is the very first game throughout Evo's history to kick off this exciting endeavor, which Sounds like there will be more. Uh, there will also be panels, tons of games, exclusive merch, and so much more. Players can sign up to compete in Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 and the other featured titles at evo.gg. Uh, the main event culminates during the Arena Finals on August 6, 2023. And while it requires a separate ticket to spectate, the energy and excitement in the arena are kind of unbeatable. Uh, so if you'd rather not compete but still want to experience the event, you can buy a two-day or three-day finals bundle so that you can be there and, like, see all this incredible energy happen. So register now to be part of Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 at EVO 2023 this summer. But, you know, Ryan, some people aren't going to be able to make it to Las Vegas, so... No, of course, if you can't, you can stream the event at twitch.tv slash Evo, and you can go to youtube.com slash Evo2kvids. Uh, of course, Evo on Twitter will get you all the latest updates and announcements. Marvel vs. Capcom, the entire franchise, has such a history, such a fan base. This is really freaking cool. I love it. Hey, Ryan. Yes. Have you ever been to Paris? I have. Have you ever been to Disneyland Paris? I did not get to make it to Disneyland Paris. I wish I could because they're doing some cool stuff if you are a Marvel fan. Uh, right now, they have introduced the Hero Up Reveal Your Inner Hero experience, and that is in celebration of one year of Marvel's Avengers Campus at Disneyland Paris. So they put the spotlight on 13 heroic folks. Uh, they got them to come and unleash their inner hero as part of a really special photo shoot, be there for this whole thing. Um, they teamed up with cast members from Disneyland Paris Costuming Workshop to dream up outfits that would be really fun for themselves. It's a really sweet story. Um, and like each of these 13 participants has heroic values that they are known for, whether it's strength, courage, generosity, uh, or an ability to inspire people. You can check out the photos in person or you can check them out online and we're going to put the link in our show notes because it's a really long flipping URL, but it's pretty neat. I love the fact that generosity was used as a heroic value. Like it makes me feel good when we talk about like empathy and generosity mm -hmm. and kindness, right? Because that's also part of it, right? Yeah. Or you would be a villain. Uh, uh, in more <laughs> Disneyland Paris news, experience the new generation of Marvel artists at the Marvel Art Artelier Expo. You know, a lot of folks always ask, like, what does the next generation of Marvel art look like? Well, now you can go see it for yourself at the Marvel Art Atelier Expo, a new exhibition now showing at the Jack Kirby Legacy Gallery in the Disney Hotel, New York, The Art of Marvel at Disneyland Paris. And so last month, uh, this past June, a class of talented mentees unleashed their pen powers under the expert guidance of a couple of Marvel mentors and superstar Marvel comics artists, including two from our current class of Stormbreakers, all under the oversight of Marvel editor-in-chief C.B. Sabolsky. Artists in attendance uh, last month uh, to provide mentorship at the event include Olivier Coppel, Pete Momoko, Giuseppe Camacoli and Natasha Bustos. Uh, this exposition is the culmination of their best work. And if you're a super fan of Marvel comics and art, you simply should go see it. Yeah, there's some photos and some like preview video things online. 
All right. Uh, you know, we, we talked about a whole bunch of cool things, some cool art. I also want you to prepare your eye jellies for some cool art about the Spider-Verse because Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, the art of the movie is available now from our pals at Abrams Books. Of course, this takes you behind the scenes to showcase all the art of the new movie. You get um really big deep dive into the Spider-Man multiverse and it's got exclusive concept art, sketches, character design, storyboard Boards, as well as interviews with creators such as writers and producers Phil Lord and Chris Miller, um, and just like a deep, deep dive into the entire creative process behind one of our favorite, one of the most gorgeous, one of the best films of all time. And if you liked our conversation with artist Chris Anka from not too long ago, you're going to love this book. It's available now wherever you get your books. Uh, and, you know, if your gig is more of super secret spy making dope poses and fleshing out inner complexities that were caused by childhood trauma, yo, 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 Lena is coming back. I'm so excited I got to say that out loud. Uh, <laughs> so, Yelena Belova fans, she is back. Uh, she's returning for a new four-issue series called the White Widow by writer Sarah Gailey and artist Alessandro Miracolo. Gorgeous cover by David Marquez. So look, you know the deal. Super spy, rogue agent, shadow of the Black Widow. Yelena Belova has been many things. But honestly, like living kind of in the shadows, you got to figure out who you are. And so she's figuring out who is she as a hero in her own right, right? Like she gets to choose her own path. She's obviously very capable. And now we get to figure out what is she going to be becoming? Uh, so at the helm, as I said, Sarah Gailey, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Eat the Rich, joining forces with Alessandro Mercolo. Uh, You might have seen his art in um, Obi-Wan or Yoda. Uh, this is going to be dope. All right. So for those of you who are just excited as I, I am, make sure you are getting this on your pull list, checking it off, subscribing on your digital comics. The drop date is going to be... November 1st, 2023. But you know what, Ryan? For all of those who are so excited by all of these comics we just talked about, all the comics coming out this week, all the comics coming out any week, they could just tune in to Marvel's pool list. That's right, Angelique. Uh, we've got another show, which is all about the uh, new latest Marvel Comics releases for each week. Our picks for this week, the new comics on sale, are Captain America number 750. It is bangers top to bottom it is so good you will cry reading this issue holy moly oh it's so good it's so good angelique there's like the origin of sam's shield and it's like this whole thing with sam and misty it's so good but then like steve goes to a funeral i will tell you it's beautiful it's heartbreaking and there's bucky and steve stuff in there and like oh it's a really great story. Then you've got Fantastic Four number nine, which is um, a lot of Alicia. Like it's an Alicia focused issue, which is super terrific. And then X-Men number 24, everything hurts and it's and we're dying, but it is so good for X-Men stuff. Things are going so terribly and I love every bit of it. X-Men 24, last issue of the main series before we get to the Hellfire Gala. Oh boy. It's like anyway. you're going to rip my heart out and throw it away, Ryan. I don't like it. We sure are. 
But before we do that, we also have a reading club this week with writer Cheryl Lynn Eaton uh, discussing Marvel Zombies Resurrection. Cheryl Lynn picked this, and I hadn't read it since it came out. It is so good. It is a very recent series, but she was just terrific also to talk to. Um, Look, a shout out to Cheryl Lynn Eaton. I interviewed her uh, about her new Spidey character, Recluse, that mm-hmm. was in Marvel's vs. Spider-Verse. And man, I can't wait to listen to this conversation because if she loved it, there's some reasons. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, she, she's so spot on. It was so good. She was terrific. The book is so good. So, But you can listen to the whole episode to find out why we love all this stuff. Of course, new episodes of Marvel's Pull List have been coming out every Tuesday. That has been great to get you ready for a new comic book day. You can listen on the SiriusXM app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But I will say, join us for a very special episode next Tuesday. You better tune into that episode. I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited about Cheryl and Eaton. But you know what? I'm also excited about. I'm just using excited a lot today. So, sorry, y'all. Y'all are just. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna get a thesaurus out uh, because our chat with the creators of the new The Incredible Hulk is coming up. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You are listening to This Week in Marvel. I'm Ryan Panagos. I am Angelique Roche. And it is time for our interview this week. We are excited to talk to the creators of the new Incredible Hulk series, artist Nick Klein, who is also part of our Stormbreakers class of 2023. Um, So in addition to drawing Hulk, he's recently worked on Thor. Uh, He's done Captain America. Oh, his Deadpool stuff recently with Alyssa Wong. So good. And then writer Philip Kennedy Johnson is like phenomenal for some Eisners, whatever. He's a musician. He's in the army, whatever, whatever. But his work with Marvel includes Alien, Carnage, Venom, and Marvel Zombies Resurrection, which we were just talking about a couple minutes ago, and it's so flipping good. So let's talk to them. All right, it's time to talk about Incredible Hulk with the new creative team of writer Philip Kennedy Johnson. Hello, Philip. Hey, how are you? Good. And artist Nick Klein. Hello, Nick. Hey, guys. All right. So what are your Marvel origin stories? How did you first, you know, see a Marvel character, read a Marvel story? What, what was it for you that first got you connected to Marvel on a personal level, not a professional level? Philip, we'll start with you. Uh, when I was a little kid, I, I learned how to read off comic books. Dad would bring home these boxes of old ripped up books from like garage sales and flea markets and things, books that were practically free. Um, and he just regarded them as, as trash to help me learn how to read. He didn't really expect me to kind of fall in love with the medium the way that I have. And, um, a big chunk of those books were these old, um, Spider-Man team-ups, like just, just one-offs, little adventures where Spider-Man would team up with Hulk or Dr. Strange or Ghost Rider or whoever, and, uh, take down the monster of the month. And that was kind of my... My way into not just into comic books, but also into the uh, massive Marvel roster, you know? Yeah. Nick, what about you? I don't really know what my first Marvel comic was. I know the one that, that kind of uh, stuck out as uh, for me uh, to remember, and that was uh, um, Night Thrasher number one, which had that nice Mark Bagley cover. And that was the first one that I actually consciously remember reading. And I would always be very art centric uh, even even when i was starting out because i i got into comics over the drawing part um 
that was during the 90s so that was uh um, you know when image started but also i had this kid on the, on my school bus run who was really into comics and he would um he was like hey do you know that you know jim lee x-men i was like no it's like well i gotta bring him to me he brought me the whole extinction agenda and he let me borrow them and i kind of just like that sealed the deal for me i was like wow this is this is uh, those are still my favorite three jim lee issues of all time and the thing that i always really liked about marvel comics is that it's not about gods. It's it's all about the underdogs and the monsters who are the who are the protagonists, and um, that kind of speaks to the, uh, the the humanity. You know, it's not the all powerful beings who who save the day. It's it's the uh, it's the Ben Grimm's and the Hulks and the okay, there's Thor who is a god, but for, for the most part, it's it's the monsters and the underdogs, um, and that's what kind of you know makes it. I think fun and, and relatable for everybody. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of the we use the term the feet of clay for our characters. You know, like they yeah the the way that we portray them. So neither of you mentioned Hulk as as younger readers. Did you get exposed to Hulk early on? Did you see like you know reruns of the TV show, or did you pick him up in in one of the like a team up book or something, or was it just like Hulk just didn't come early on for you, Nick? What was your Hulk introduction like? Oh, my Hulk introduction was probably Rampaging Hulk, that magazine. You're, I don't know if you remember yeah. that from the, I think it was Hell yeah. 80s. Um, and I got the first issue for, I don't know where I got it. I picked, I probably in a, in a bin somewhere, in a dollar bin or something. I had Walt Simonson uh, drew the main story. And there was a John Musema, um backup story. And for me at that, like I said, I was very art centric. So I would always follow artists. And there were some great artists on Hulk. I like that big chunky powerful thing as an artist that's very appealing to draw especially you know if you have them alongside normal humans there's a it's a great you know uh, juxtaposition and it's just a fun to play with that character and and especially the the world that philip and i are building now the the horror stuff that's super fun to draw um so for me it was always that visual aspect to the hulk but it, it did come later. It, um, it wasn't it wasn't on the in the in the first first round of introduction to to Marvel comics. Philip, what about you? I had some um, some kind of variety of Avengers comics, like a few, and Hulk appeared in some of those. But beyond that, man, it's he's just kind of this cultural touchstone, American icon. Like you, I mean, you just kind of you're just sort of aware of him the way that you are, like Spider Man, Spider Man. Superman, Mickey Mouse, <laughs> the the Incredible Hulk, just like these, you know, Paul Bunyan or whatever, like these, almost like these these representations of like a folklore and culture that are just kind of in the ether. You know, I don't even know. These just, I can't imagine. I can't remember a time before I knew who that was. And as a kid, that's just a a concept that's just so easy and it's just so natural to play. What and you know. My my dad used to mess with me because I, I when I before I could really even speak properly, I was playing like the Incredible Hulk, and like I would just I would pretend <laughs> to be all you know, I'd get angry and become this. I was a really small kind of a sickly little shrimpy kid, and I would play Hulk and pretend I was super huge um, and powerful, and it was just it just made sense, you know, at that age it just makes sense, and that's and then even later when you start to see the nuance of what the character represents, you know, it's, it's one of those concepts that just makes sense at all ages. You know, Hulk is the vehicle through which we're exploring this monstrous side of the Marvel Universe. And we're, we're seeing all these team-ups with characters that are established in Marvel, but also new takes on some of those characters and also completely new characters, completely new monsters, other new characters for team-ups. And it's just, oh my God, it's just the best time. And Hulk is just the perfect vehicle for that kind of thing. Philip, 
love your your the the horror tinge stuff that you've been doing for us. Alien, so good. I loved your alien stuff. What brought you to Hulk? Was there a call from I assume Will Moss is your editor? It was from Will, yeah. Yeah. So Will's like, give me the good spooky stuff, Phil. How did you start getting this assignment? I I had an amazing time on Alien. I was, it was really hard to give up Alien. We'd already had two years ago on Alien, and I loved it. But like around that same time that I was starting to start let it go, just to give myself some some uh, much needed bandwidth, I got a call for Will, and we had just done New York Comic Con, and I had seen there was like a Marvel hang, and I had seen Will, and I'd always heard great things about Will as an editor, and we'd we'd had and lost a couple opportunities to work together on short things, and I couldn't really do it, and wanted to say hello, and and somehow we missed each other. Um, at that hang and um, it's like, oh damn, I got to say hi to Will. After New York Comic Con was over with, he reached out and was like, hey, I missed you at the thing, but um, listen, something's come up. Would you be interested in in writing the Hulk? And I was like, I didn't really have the bandwidth, but I was like, man. And then especially he started throwing Nick's name around. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, because I mean, I, I love Nick's work. I, I I've known Nick's work since he did this book a long time ago called Viking: The Long Cold Fire that made such a huge impression on me, and I just I had my eye on Nick's work ever since then, and um, and I was such a huge fan of Immortal Hulk that had recently ended. I love seeing the horror take on the on the standard thing, and Hulk is just the perfect thing for that. As soon as he brought up the possibility of writing Hulk, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I mean, bringing Nick's name into the conversation just calcified that vision even even more. I was like, "Yeah, I'll give five years of my life to make this work. <laughs> like this is gonna it's gonna be hard as far as time management, but this is this is totally gonna be worth it." Nick, were you were you sketching before you even you know knew who you were gonna be working with? Were you thinking up ideas of what you wanted your Hulk to look like? How did you start you know coming into this? And then when you start talking about it with Philip here, how did that sort of galvanize for you artistically? Well, I was, I was, uh, my, my time on Thor was coming to an end and, um, Will knew that Thor and Hulk were my favorite characters. He asked this, like, do you want to take over when, when Ryan is done with Hulk, we're going to restart her with, um, with Philip, um, would you want to draw it? And I was like, say less. Yes, of course. <laughs> and then he, uh, he sent me Philip's pitch and I was like, wow, this is even better than I thought it would be. I think relatively quickly, Philip and I got in touch. Um, we didn't know each other before, but um, when we started, I think we hit it off right off the bat, and we uh, we kind of were our, um, you know, eye level on where we wanted this this book to go. And um, yeah, it's been a great back and forth so far. You know, there's um, it's a great back and forth, a great collaborative process. So it's really cool so far, and I think we're cooking up some things that readers are really going to enjoy. Yeah, this is becoming a book that I, I'm confident is going to like matter. It's going to be like a, a special book that, that lasts. It's not just action. I was like, there are stories underneath that matter to me deeply. Um, as Nick mentioned, it's with Marvel. It's like the heroes outside your door, like heroes that are that are people, like that, uh, like gods that have the same problems that we do and have the same complexities and are broken in the same ways that we are and all that. But with Hulk. This specific run of Hulk, we are kind of building a mythology with all the brokenness that that Marvel characters usually have. Like it's even though they're definitely failings and complexities and things that make it feel real and relatable, we're also building this uh, this pantheon of like dark creatures that just makes it feel really 
epic like like this new folklore that we're building it's just so dope i i can't wait for readers to see what nick's doing and i'm just it's such an honor to get to add to the to the marvel mythos this way yeah i I, i'm excited to see all that do you feel it you know you dark pantheon makes me think horror and and cool you mentioned monsters a bunch of times does this feel like a, a a horror book or is it a more horror adventure where do you sort of like visualize this or envision this or is it just sort of like it is a hulk story that hits a whole bunch of different elements that you're trying to put together man i don't know nick what do you think how do you feel about it in my mind it is first and foremost a horror book and the hulk is a monster so that there's a natural fit there but i approach it as a horror book like a like a 70s kind of you know those, those 70s marvel magazines black and white stories and and that creepy and eerie stuff. That's the stuff that I have the back in the back of my head. Um, like even horror has to be good to look at. There has to be an elegance to it. So that's the way I approach this. So it, for me, it's definitely a horror book. Make me think of like Plug or or Corbin. You know, like yeah. that that kind of one of the things I love about your art is the texture of your art. And it's yeah. so like I immediately get exactly what you're talking about. Like that vibe is so present in in just your just description right there. So. That's right. Nice. Corbin, that's a great, actually, that's a good, uh, that's a good one to mention. One, another big influence on me, at least for the writing is, um, is Hellboy. And I, I love how Hellboy is kind of this, like this blue collar, like don't screw with me kind of character who just walks through folklore, who like his, he goes on these adventures and finds these different monsters from, for mankind's history, but also original characters, but it, but they all are kind of influenced by existing folklore or or history or historical fiction or you know cosmic horror, like these different things, all these different kinds of things that he finds as he walks around. And there's actually one specifically that was that was drawn by by Richard Corbin. Um, was it called the Crooked Man? That takes place in the mountains of America. I mean, Nick's style is his own, but it looks like the south and in, in this in this particular book the way that corbin's did in that in that story do you too gravitate toward horror in your own like entertainment or do you also like look at you know watch horror movies or read novels or other horror comics as just like this is my fun time or do you gravitate towards like something completely opposite horror is my jam all the time <laughs> <laughs> nick is horror your jam um n- not n- really to be honest, yeah. um, part of that is because I'm a bit squeamish, so I can watch horror movies. Well, no, I, I, I can watch horror movies just fine now as an adult, but uh, when I was like a teenager, um, I couldn't. For the, like, I would, they would actually they would literally scare me. So I like uh, horror and science fiction now, like Alien and um, um, oh, what's that horrible movie that I, that always gives me nightmares. Um, Event Horizon. Oh, uh, Event, Hor- Event Horizon. Right. Event Horizon. That's a great one. I <laughs> love Event Horizon. When I was a kid, I went and saw that at a small movie theater with my friends. It's the middle of the summer, and the movie is like, in, you know, doing all that stuff. And then the power goes out like 80% into the movie while like the height of all the, the psychological oh, no. visual visions and stuff, the, the power goes out in the entire theater. We're like, nope, we're, we're done. We left. <laughs> I just like, I like the visuals, to be honest, though, because it's just fun to draw gross spooky horror stuff um so you know that's that's all the horror i need (laughs) 
Well, you're living the dream now. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you get to draw, some of the the cool, creepy stuff. You mentioned monsters. What can you tell us about some of the cool stuff you're getting to draw these days? From the get-go, Philip really wanted to push the body horror stuff, uh, even starting with the transformation of the Hulk. And that kind of had to make me shift gears a little bit because now that I know where he wants to go and uh, it's easier, but at the beginning, that wasn't uh, my mindset at all because I came off of Thor and that was a very pretty straightforward and I had to kind of think outside the box for myself. But that's really cool to draw. I'm just, you know, twisting and, and uh, bodies and, and, you know, distorting and breaking bones and stuff. Uh, that Like that first Hulk transformation that we did in issue one, I don't know if you've seen it, but that um, that's kind of the jumping off point. It just gets better from there. Like, um, of course, you know, there's the undead and there's... Uh, there's eldritch monsters and there's there's all kinds of awesome stuff um and uh, you know get to spread my wings we try to make it not look like things you've seen before i don't know if i succeed at that but that's at least what i'm going for it's just so fun i i <laughs> this is not a spoiler because it doesn't exist yet in this in the book but i i would love to see like that first transformation is so dope and i it's exactly what i wanted i mean it's already on twitter so i guess i guess there's uh in the script, I describe like Hulk's teeth pushing out Banner's teeth, like these gigantic oh. teeth pushing out his other teeth. It's like <laughs> his mouth is like exploding, and like like bones are like st- suddenly like sticking out and like ripping through flesh, and like his you know new toenails pushing out the old ones, and everything is just gross and super painful and just rough looking. Um, I would love to see. I want at some point. I want to show like a fight or or something happening during that transformation, like where there's uh, I don't know. It's just ugh, Nick is just crushing it. He can do anything. Phil, I'm curious about your scripts. You mentioned you know like really describing this stuff. Are you throwing in references too? Because you know Nick, you said you don't gravitate as much towards the horror, but as our Philip, you're like yeah, go watch like this Cronenberg thing and see this. This is kind of what I'm talking about. Blah, all kinds of weird stuff in it <laughs> is what I imagine you guys are coming up with, which I am all about. Um, what what is it? What is your script like? Yeah, sometimes I'll send I'll send photo ref sometimes or RF if there's a specific moment I'm referencing. There's some coming up in which there might be references to like a frame from a from a video game or from a, from a film or something. But yeah, there's there's already been stuff where I I send um, actually a lot of the reference I send has been like environments, right, Nick? Like stuff from um, yeah. like little towns and things. Because like there's yeah, a, that was fun. Yeah, there's a there's a story that happens in a in a dead coal mining town. And um, I've lived around some of that stuff. So I'll send examples of what those look like. Because, you know, the trees in different countries are different. And like the, the roads are specific to different regions. And we went, we went back and forth and some of that. Like Nick was like, do they have covered bridges there? And I was like, some places we do. And we, it's uh, it just looks so great. I, I love how that book looks. It looks like it, just like it should. Nick, before we were recording, you were mentioning how uh, Matthew Bolson is coloring you on this. And, and he was doing something unexpected from what you initially thought but you were so excited about can you go into that at all because i don't know how much art we've we've seen so far he just pulled something out of his his wizard hat that looked different than what he did on thor i wasn't expecting it at all but i was really pleasantly surprised i was like wow this is this looks amazing and it, it's com- the complete opposite of what my first instinct would have been it makes uh, everything pop and very modern looking yeah, Matt's a real like part of the team, and Corey too. Actually, the letterer like they're everyone is really contributing. 
there's a special vibe, like just listening to the two of you talk about this and, and working at the team and all the, the really specific thoughts. And it's, it's exciting. Uh, Philip, you mentioned, you know, Banner a couple times. Can you talk about the relationship between Bruce and Hulk in this series and, you know, how that's going to play out? Or you want to, you just want to let that sit on the page. I see that smirk on your face. Like, uh, you don't want to give no, too much away. No, it's just because it's fun to talk about. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we've seen the, I mean, the Bruce, um, the Banner Hulk relationship is one that we've seen change over and over again. Like it's a, there's always different takes on their relationship, and right now it's at its worst ever. Partly because that's just kind of that's the state I wanted it to be in, but also because of the events of the recent run in which Banner has essentially enslaved Hulk. Like he's found a way to kind of chain Hulk inside of his own mind and has completely mastered the power of what Hulk is and used it, and you know, to turn Hulk's body into this thing that he can just kind of steer around. Um, and now Hulk is free and super pissed. <laughs> um, so now Banner and Hulk are enemies. And it's even the term enemies is kind of generous towards Banner. Banner is just completely at his mercy. I mean, Banner is on the run constantly from Hulk the way that characters are in a, in a horror movie from the creature from It Follows or from the girl in the ring or something like there, he's he's being stalked by Hulk all the time. When he feels the transformation coming on, he sees Hulk in the shadows and hears him in his head and he starts to take over and then he just runs. The Hulk is not the representation of Banner's rage or it's not like the old thing where like, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Like I, I get really angry and then I become this monster. It's almost like a, an addiction metaphor where you're getting close to the thing that you want. Like you're close to being okay. You're close to being whole. You're about to find the thing that you want or love or a friend or the thing you've been working towards, he blacks out and he wakes up and it's all in ruins. And this thing has just emerged and destroyed everything that he's been working towards. And he's like, what did I do last night? Kind of a thing. So he's constantly on the run to try to protect everything around him from being destroyed by this part of himself that he just cannot control. So that's the relationship now. Like Hulk is this thing that stalks him and breaks everything all around him whenever he lets his guard down. Nick, I feel like people sometimes overlook the importance of the way we depict Bruce. How much did you, you know, think about the way you wanted your Bruce to look? Not necessarily even just the Hulk, because it seems like Hulk's going through some some cool gnarly stuff too, but the Bruce of it all for you. Oh, for sure. The Bruce in our book, you know, he's a he's a man on the run. He's literally a hobo pretty much. He's a bit unshaven. He's got like longish, you know, Kurt Cobainish kind of like hair uh you know he's got the like working man's clothes you know stuff that you can find in any like you know store on the road you know jeans and working boots whatever or whatever you know else you can find um after his transformation but you know he does not look like you know you need scientists anymore he looks like the guy you would maybe give like a couple of bucks to if he held his you know held his cup out you know and that's why on the cover of two issue one we kind of went for that literal you know train track kind of image because that's what he is he's you know he's he's um on the run trying not to get close to to people who get hurt by you know what's what's chasing him so and that reflects on the hulk as well because the hulk has long hair because banner has long hair you know because they're connected i imagine we'll get to the most horrific moment of all by the end of the first or so arc hulk with a man bun it's gonna be real real scary stuff oh hell no no man buns. <laughs> no man buns. All right. As we wrap up, any other um, cool teases that we can give for fans as they get ready for Incredible Hulk? 
Um, I mean, Nick, this is some of the best I've seen Nick do ever. And I love everything Nick's done. But this this book is a book that, in my opinion, humbly, I think Nick will be remembered for. Oh, man, you make me blush over here. I also think that this is some of the best stuff. So um, I'm glad you think it is because I really am putting a lot of work into it. <laughs> Dude, you sent, there's this, uh, there's one page from the second issue, <laughs> like a close up on the, on the characters, just like walk, like literally walking through the scene and, and Banner. And I will say, Ryan, there's this character named Charlie, who's very prominent in, in the story. That's going to be a, a recurring character, like a, a regular in the series. And Charlie and Banner are just kind of looking at this, at this thing, walking through like it's just part of Hulk's world. Like Hulk, like the, um, Banner has this line in the book that, you know, monsters tend to find each other and they're just on the road and these things find them. They find each other and they, they see this thing and they're just kind of standing looking at it like, what is happening? And it, it looks so unbelievably good. I literally just giggle like a little girl. <laughs> like when he, when Nick's on the page, I just, I'm sitting there giggling, like making this noise. I would never want anyone to hear. I'm like, I can't believe how good this looks, dude. This is going to be so great. So yeah, I just can't wait for people to see that book. Very much looking forward to it. Incredible Hulk. And uh, may it rain for a long, long time. Thank you, Nick. Thank you, Philip. My pleasure, man. Thank you. That was Nick Klein and Philip Kennedy Johnson. You can pick up the first issue of The Incredible Hulk in comic shops right now. Well, now is the time at the portion of the show where you get to talk to us, community, a.k.a. This Week in Messages. As we're getting ready for our messages, we are thinking about next week's guest, who is Brian Hitch, just one of the greatest artists of all time. I said it. I believe it. I love him. Um, And we're talking with Brian about his coming work in Ultimate Invasion, but also like we try to talk about his career as much as I could while going through it very quickly. It was my first time talking with Brian and... He's just the best. He's he's everything I wanted from him. He's so uh, I love it. So this week, getting ready for Brian Hitch, we want to know, what are your favorite Marvel reimaginings from the original Ultimate Universe? That's it. We mean 1610, that original Ultimate Universe. Mm-hmm. Ryan, do you have one? I mean... Ultimate Spider-Man is kind of hard to beat because it was just kind of perfection throughout all of that. Like taking the just the idea itself is so good, but you you sort of extrapolate from that and the things that built around that. Reed Richards being the maker and turning Reed into like this bad guy was a really great angle and has had repercussions now for almost twenty uh, yeah roughly twenty years since Ultimate Reed first showed up. I really I'm a big fan of Ultimate Jessica Drew who was a female clone of Peter Parker and what that meant and and her character. And I thought that was really, really neat. Um, Obviously, Nick Fury, probably the most famous thing to come out of it. Oh, man. Now you're making me think about the episode two of Secret Invasion that I can't talk about because I don't want to give a spoiler. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I have one favorite. My one favorite is Cloak and Dagger. Like, I just truly loved their origin story. Hmm so much in the ultimate universe because like yeah oh it's so sweet they were going to prom 
<laughs> and then they became superheroes. Yeah, it's really, really cool. There's so much to love there, but we want to hear from all of you. What are your favorite Marvel reimaginings from the original Ultimate Universe run? You can tweet your answers using hashtag This Week in Marvel, email them to twimpodcast.marvel.com, or send a message to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash This Week in Marvel. Please make sure to tell us it's okay to read Twim on the show so we can read it on the show. And I will say, Miles Morales is an answer that we'll accept too. Yeah, always. Because it's a reimagining of Spider-Man in a way. Even though he's an original character, it takes the original Spider-Man thought and does the Ultimate Universe business to it. So I think that also includes uh, his uncle because technically mm-hmm. there was a Prowler in 616. Yep. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I feel like we are leaving these doors open, but we also have to get to our answers for this week. So last week's question of the week what are some of your favorite Hulk moments or stories? And there are some good answers in this one. Yeah. We got an email here from Richard Lee and Richard says, Hey, Ryan and Angelique, my favorite moments with the Hulk would have to be one, seeing Amadeus Cho becoming the totally awesome Hulk. This is before Shang-Chi made it to the MCU. So it was the first time I felt my Asian culture was being represented in a big way. I immediately wanted to cosplay as him, but I still need to hit the gym. Two, learning the identity of the Red Hulk in Jeff Loeb and Ed McGuinness's run, then seeing Bruce and I'm going to edit you right here, Richard, just in case anybody doesn't know, Bruce and Redacted duke it out as Hulks. Ed McGuinness is probably my favorite Hulk artist ever. Three, in World War Hulk, where Hulk broke Doctor Strange's already broken hands. For some reason, that one sticks with me. And four, Immortal Hulk's Green Door lore. I like that rhyme. Al Ewing and Joe Bennett did such a phenomenal job on that run. Joe is also one of my Hulk artist faves. Richard, those are all amazing polls and really great stuff. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, Angelique, this is something you've been talking about for years through Marvel's Voices, something we talk about here on This Week in Marvel, but representation matters. It does. Also, like, Amadeus Cho is just quite delightful. Like, just he's so just nice. such a good character. Yeah, so wonderful. We've got a tweet from Karis Pollard who shared a gif from Marvel's The Avengers of Hulk smashing Loki. And Karis says, this will always be my favorite Hulk moment forever. Puny God. So the first time I saw that, cracking up in hysterics in the theater, sitting next to uh, now editor-in-chief C.B. Sabolsky. Oh my gosh, just the best. I mean, the great thing about that scene is that it gets to live so many times in the the MCU. It's like, it's the scene that keeps, it just keeps giving. It does. So uh, we've got one last tweet from Jay McCarty at MCC. Oh, Gray Hulk. Uh, The time Spider-Man put Hulk in space in Amazing Spider-Man number 325, and he's totally cool with it, making jokes about how he's going to die, holding his breath, LOL. (laughs) I mean, Uh... yeah. Hulk got got by Spidey when he had the Captain Universe powers, and that's the way it goes. We got a tweet from Dave Littler at Dave Littler who said, Nothing will ever beat the moment that Hulk reassembled his vivisected body around the cruel scientist experimenting on him, crushing the man to death within his reforming body. Hell yeah. Give me the gross. All the immortal business. Give it to me. 
So, Steve at Chester underscore Steve 81. This week in Marvel asked, favorite story and mine without a doubt is Planet Hulk. I mean, he's just like all of it. I like all of Planet Hulk and it's the best. It's so good. We got an email from our pals, uh, Heather, Fiona, and Nolan, who said, Hi, we discussed this question over dinner. We all have very different takes. Fiona's favorite version of Hulk is the Superhero Squad cartoon. Squaddy's Hulk is funny and silly, but still the most powerful. I love Marvel Superhero Squad so much. So cute. So good. Uh, Nolan's favorite Hulk moment is from Immortal Hulk. Great power when he remembers Spidey is Peter. Bruce forgot, but he remembers my favorite is a throwback to one of the best marvel video games ever ultimate alliance 2 after finishing the wakanda level you get a hulk centric soundbite reed suggests hulk can work through his anger issues by writing poetry and he writes 15 hulk coup such a like like this one doc samson tell hulk when hulk angry count 20 hulk out of fingers (laughs) i like that happy smashing from heather fiona and nolan heather i i am thrilled and in awe that Nolan is reading Immortal Hulk. Because, like, you know, yeah. I want Catherine to be experiencing all kinds of weird stuff when she's little. But, like, that's a different level. So I'm here for it. Uh, may I recall Ryan Panagos? Like, one of your uh-huh. first comic books was The Punisher. You better believe it was. Like, uh, sir, I don't know. I feel like you ended up okay. Yeah, mostly. exactly. Look at me. Doing great. <laughs> and from Facebook, from Michael Sarmiento, my favorite Hulk moment would have to be in Thor Ragnarok, where he says to Thor, Hulk like fire, Thor like water. <laughs> that is the best way to call somebody a buzzkill. It's yeah, perfect. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, wonderful stuff. Thank you all for answering. And that is it for us this week. This episode of This Week of Marvel was produced by Cara McGurk, Allison, Isabel Robertson, Jasmine Estrada, Ryan Panagos, and Angelique Rocher. Our senior manager, audio production and development, is Brad Barton. And Jill DeBoff is our director of audio. Special thanks to Nick Klein and Philip Kennedy Johnson. Also, special thanks to Hulk's butt, which is uh, I mean, it's makes a, great a special butt. appearance in Marvel Studios' Thor Ragnarok. It does. But, 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 some but, some but, some but, some but, some but. Anyway, I'm Angelique. I'm Ryan. This is Marvel. Your universe.